Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your host, and Kate, like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. And uh, Noel, how's it going this week? It's It's very wet over here in Tacoma. Oh no. I, I know you're you're shocked. You're shocked. It's <laughs> it's raining in the Pacific Northwest. I know everyone is like, it never rains in the Pacific Northwest, but it's been raining for four days now. And we've got at least two more ahead of us. That's, that's a lot. That's a lot of days. Yeah, it's a lot. I actually have to contact my landlord because our basement is damper than it should be. That's not what you want. That's like that's with two days yet to go. That's not good. Yeah, yeah. No, my landlord's not going to be pleased. But that's not my problem. This is why <laughs> this is a big old NMP because you, this is why yep. you rent, right? So you can yes, not have to Basically. deal with those things. Yeah. Um. So how are you though? I'm good. As listeners will be able to hear from the difference in the audio quality, I am on location, um, playing a gig out of town. Uh, but it's it's been fun. We're doing um. Beethoven 5, which, you know, for which is famous and huge and everybody loves it and it's great and everything, but also one I feel very comfortable with. So that's a fun way to start the season because it's not like you have to be on your game, but like it's not as stressful as other ones are. Other pieces uh-huh. would be to start the season. But we're doing a Wagner that I've never done before, which is has lots of fast and crazy. And um, yeah. and, and is a cool piece. But we're also doing the Elgar Cello Concerto, which is just like – it's just so good. Do you know the Elgar cello concerto or no? I do actually. It's it's a very good piece of music. Yeah, and our cellist, uh, the soloist, is really good, and she's no, she's playing on a strad, and oh yeah, she like someone's just, got money. Well, no, someone's got a, a rich sponsor. <laughs> mm. Somebody's been paired up with somebody by the Strad Society. Uh, no, like listeners, any instrumentalist who's playing on a strad doesn't actually own the strad because they cost millions of dollars and instrumentalists don't have millions of dollars, even the fancy soloists. Um, so yes, but, but it's, she's only had it for a few weeks. So this is her first mm-hmm. time playing this piece on this instrument. And so it's just really neat because obviously she's very, very good at what she does. Um, right. But uh, you can see that there's an element of exploration to it too, because she's like getting the hang of how, this cello feels on this piece which is really really neat and uh you can tell she's just like in just loving it just absolutely adoring getting to play this great piece on this great you know because it's it's still fresh it's still new you know Um, right not that i think at that level you ever you know take for granted the fact that you're playing a stradivarius but um uh, but yeah, it's just really it's you can tell it's very special for her. And obviously mm-hmm. it was gonna be special for us because it's a cool piece and it's a nice opportunity to play it. But uh it's it's just it's an interesting experience. It's been a fun fun week for that stuff. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Oh, also speaking of great stuff, is how did a uh, friend of the show Carolyn Sita's birthday go? It was so fun. Um yeah. we we got some food and I had uh, my first ever shot of Malort. Which I have not to, not as bad as everybody says. Oh, it's like a Chicago specific uh, liquor, liqueur, or whatever. And it's like, it, I can see why everyone says it tastes horrible. Um, but I didn't think it tastes like the front of the taste isn't too bad, but the, at the back, it's really sour. 
and bitter. Okay. Like I, I one I one of the things I said uh, that is like okay, I can see why people are like it's like drinking gasoline. I see what they're saying, but it. <laughs> But it's so delicious. No, it's not delicious. But like, I didn't. It. I didn't. I mean, I basically, I've had literally years of people saying it's like the most disgusting thing you've ever had, and so I was like, it's not that bad. It's just like I can see why people would say that, but it's not. I mean, I've I've had worse things. Mm -hmm. I mean, come on, we've all had worse things than that. Uh, Anyway, so that was very interesting, and uh, and the other people at dinner. Uh, Caroline just had like a little sip. She didn't actually want it, but she was curious what it tasted like, which was why I tried it too. Um, but the other two people, uh, had had it before and so knew what they were in for. So it was just really, it was it, watching them watch us was also part of the entertainment. It right. was a good time. We had a lovely conversation. It was a good night. So, uh, right. again, happy birthday to Caroline Sita if she's listening. And, uh, yes, it was, it was a good time. Oh, that's really good. I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this week, there was some TV conversation going around on Twitter and such, but it was mostly about Watchmen, which we don't have screeners for. So, you know, maybe we'll talk about that later <laughs> when it comes out. I'm certainly very interested from, you know, about anything that, that Lindelof is going to do after loving Lost and loving The Leftovers. So are you I, – I, this actually made me much more interested, like the discussion this week, maybe much more interested for the show because I didn't really care about there being a Watchmen show. I cared about there being a Lindelof show. And it sounds like he's doing a lot of the same, like exploring different issues, but in a lot of the same ways, like the same tools. And considering how much I loved his previous efforts, I will probably be interested in his new one. Uh, did this like discourse this week uh, pique your interest? It did, much to my extreme regret, as this was not a project <laughs> I was particularly looking forward to, as yeah. I don't really see why we're doing Watchmen again. Um, even knowing that Lindelof was like, it's not going to be Watchmen. It's going to be Watchmen adjacent, but branded as Watchmen type of thing. Um, so I was just like, okay, I don't know. I still don't know why we're doing this, but your point regarding the discourse, I think, is what's gotten me to go, oh, I'm going to watch this. Oh, Gosh, I'm going to watch it. it now, aren't I? Yep. 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 I'm very upset with Emily Vanderwerf because I was just, mm-hmm. I read her piece and I, I just went, ah, I didn't want to watch this. Now I want to watch this. Now I want to uh. watch this. Ugh. Come on, we don't need more TV. Um, this this week I had to put together my best TV of the 2010s list. Oh, sort of thing. okay. And so I had to come up with like a top 50. And Jesus, it was. That's a lot. See, but it was actually really easy because the thing that was difficult was like it took hours and hours to put together a list of. Yeah, sure. All the shows, right? And then right. once I had the list, I had a list of like over 170, which I know is just a scratch yeah, on the that's surface. Barely anything. But we like, watched more than 100 shows. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. No, but it was like, which are shows that could contend? So, like, I, I was looking at list and list and list and list of like, Shows that premiered each year, shows that like all that kind of stuff. And just, and I only put things on the list if I really liked them. Yeah, if I sure. could see them, see myself putting them on a list. Yeah. And then I went through that list of 170 or so and was like, okay, we're going to do a tier si- system. So, like, that is the correct way of doing it. This That's has how to I be- organize myself. Yeah, like tier one was, I will be pissed off if this is not on the list. This must be on the list. And then yeah. tier two was like, 
I love this show. It should be on the list. And wow. then like like that. And so when I finished doing that, I then did a sort by – because, of course, I did this in Excel because I'm a nerd. Then I did no, a sort by tier ranking. Yeah. And yeah. like uh, I, I get all of tier one and all of tier two made like 48 shows. And I was like, well, mm-hmm. this is easy. <laughs> so now I just need to go through tier three and the question marks where I was like, I don't know exactly how I would – I have a complicated relationship with this show. And, and find two more. Yeah, And so I did all of that, and I actually feel real good about my list, uh, and then had a, like, mini, not actual, but, like, panic attack on Wednesday night after it was due. I turned it in even early uh, because I had forgotten over the garden wall. It just had, like – Oh, yeah, I sure. know. And it just wasn't on any of the li- – because it was a mini series, so it wasn't on the list of shows, you know, like that yeah. I was compiling from. And so then I had a little freak out about how it needed to be on my list, and this, that would definitely be a tier one show for me. So I, my, they let me turn in, like, modify my list, which was well, very that's nice. Good. That so it's on there. Good. So, so yeah. was one of what was one of the requirements for this that it needed to have premiered in 2010, or could it have just been running in 2010? It was. I th- I think like the idea was that more than half the show mm-hmm. aired in the aughts. Okay. So like. Friday Night Lights not eligible because more episodes were in the in the in the aughts, not the tens. I said the aughts, I meant the tens. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So, but Thirty Rock by like a handful of episodes mm-hmm. eligible, gotcha. like like by like four episodes. It was like a fifty fifty episode. And Party Down, I don't know because that one is literally. 10 episodes in 09 and 10 episodes in 10. Mm-hmm. So that one didn't actually end up on my list anyway, so I didn't have to worry about it. But right. yeah, okay. no, that that was the the process. It was it was just a whole thing. And I, you know, there, I had a few takeaways and they were, I tweeted about this. They were that, um, like, I feel like the shows that people are going to, you're going to see on these lists are like your Breaking Bads, your Mad Men's, your Games of Thrones, et cetera. But my list was more than half comedies. Which okay. was uh, interesting, I thought, because I was worried. I got like I got to make sure that there's some com- that there's comedy on there, and the- and I have some reality and other kinds of things. Um, but it was more than half comedy, and it was also there were also a bunch of animated shows. There was a lot of really great animated TV in the 2010s, and I know we talk about animation a lot on this. Yeah, podcast and that's only the American shows. animation you've watched. Yeah, well, because it's also, like, I was very limited by what have I seen, and there's so yeah. much I haven't. Like, everybody loves Tuca and Birdie. I haven't gotten to it yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a lot of animation that I haven't seen. But yeah. so that, that that was really interesting to me as well. Because I feel like all of the heavy-hitting, intense dramas are going to get, you know, the the, the conversation. Like, Americans and Hannibal and other shows. Uh, but, yeah, no, I I, I was surprised by just how strong you know there there were really really great shows in pretty much every genre i could think of um though there was less genre on my list than i expected because you know i'm such a genre nerd yeah. but there was less of that that you know i got fringe on there mm-hmm. but uh but no and there you were... had hannibal on there as well which could be construed as a genre program that's a horror and you know i had spartacus on there mm-hmm. so yeah which yeah. i was like is this kind of genre i don't know i don't care it's going on there because i love it yeah 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 no i think i think you can definitely make the case for spartacus as a genre program yeah so are you gonna put together a best of the odds things do you think by the end of the year or no 
Uh, I haven't given it any I thought. Odd. I, I mean, tens. I mean, 2010s. Sorry. Yeah. I hadn't given it any thought. I probably could. Like, my spreadsheet that I keep dates back to 2012. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I've got at least a half-decent spreadsheet of stuff um, that I could consult and then just go back and look at some other stuff. Um, I mean, I can do that. I don't know how much. I mean, yeah, I could probably do that. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss off mic, listeners. Let us know yeah. if you want us to do for our segment one of these weeks, you know, best of the teens or the tens. Um, yeah, it might be interesting. Uh, but yeah, it, it really, it's it's fun for me to dig into that stuff. Um, but I, I'm curious to see how many of my picks are going to actually show up on the overall list. And I'm right. not, I'm not optimistic, shall we say? <laughs> uh, Cause spoiler alert, I did not have space for game of Thrones on my top 50. I was like, this probably should be, but like, I have so many shows that I love so much more that it, other people will vote for it. I'm not worried about that. <laughs> it wouldn't be on mine. So well, I mean, there you go. Yeah. I'm not like, concerned about it. Most important TV of yeah. the decade. Like, Walking Dead, Game of Thrones are huge. Right. But for me, they're just... Well, that's not like, the question. That's not, that's the, not question. the question you're answering. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's just, it's an interesting, like, how, how, once you've decided on how you're going to approach it, and, like, t- if you take the approach I did, which is just, like, I'm just putting on the shows that I love, that I think are great, that I love. Uh, not, like, trying to take the burden of, like, trying to have an objective view that yeah. makes it a lot easier and a lot more fun. So it was just, it was an interesting process and we'll see, hopefully some of them make it through. I'm, I, I feel like there's a few shows people are going to forget about and it's going to make me sad. Um, well, yeah, we'll no, see. people are definitely going to forget about like the honorable woman and that's going to be mm-hmm. sad. See, but it, that one like didn't even make my top 10 that year. Yeah, no, it was in my top five that year. You, you, you liked that one more than I did. It was very yeah, I good. I liked it a lot. So. Yeah, it was very good, but you know, I like other like other things more, and that's okay. Um, okay, so we, I, mean, I feel like we're gonna have to do at least have like a free form conversation on it. It's okay. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. Yeah, and the other peek behind the curtain thing, listeners, is that all of those like best of the decade list that you're going to start seeing in like the start of December, those all have to be confirmed like now <laughs> so that yeah. people can start because it's a whole compiling process. It's all that. So like this is why end of the year lists that start come out right at the beginning of December. I don't ever really trust them because you know that nothing that airs in November and December has really been considered for it. And uh, yeah, I guess if you have screeners, but still. I also just want to point out, like, decades are weird and numbering yeah. is weird. So that's yeah. the other thing. <laughs> How do you count your decades, by the way? <laughs> yeah. Does it start in the zero or does it start with the one? And then, yeah. like, yeah, exactly. Anyways. It starts with the one. <laughs> okay. 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 But no, uh, no, no. I, under- I understand. But I'm, yeah. I'm that guy. I, we yeah. discussed my thing. <laughs> well, it's just whether you're going based on the ones digit or the tens digit. So. Yeah. Which I understand and respect both choices there because I am that kind of nerd. Um, this week, speaking of the kind of nerd I am, we are talking about season five of Shit's Creek, which recently dropped on Netflix. We, of course, talked about the the beginning of the show uh, in our Make You Watchathon this year, and uh, Noel was curious enough to keep watching. So we're going to have that at the end of the show. I'm very excited. It was like, should we talk about the Breaking Bad movie or should we ch- talk about Shit's Creek? And it was like, what? you're willing to watch more Shit's Creek? Well, let's talk about that. Um, so, so that's why we're doing that. Whereas I I was not really willing to watch the Breaking Bad movie, listeners, because I didn't care. 
Yeah, <laughs> I, I like that show so much more than you do. <sighs> Anyways, um, so that's coming at the end of the show. It's going to be super fun. Uh, but for now, let's take a break, listen to some music, and come back with our Week in TV. in TV, we're going to talk about the premiere of Arrow, Starling City, and I'm going to talk briefly about the Charmed premiere, Safe Space. Then we'll talk some Flash, a flash of lightning, a flash of the lightning. Um, then last week, Tonight with John Oliver, Weather, The Good Place, Tinker Tailor, Demon Spy, The Unicorn, The Unicorn and the Catfish. And we'll round these out, of course, with the Great British Bake Off, Festivals Week, and because we're recording at a different time, we'll also be able to talk about Pastry Week, so we'll get all caught up for y'all with Bake Off. Uh, so first up is the Arrow premiere, Starling City, and I want to talk about this one, first of all, because it's a premiere but also noel because i actually really liked this episode i was super on board this was fun this was game you could tell that they're like final season let's hit all these different touch points and just sort of enjoy our final season premiere and have some fun before everything's going to intensify and ramp up towards the the crossover uh i did not realize they were going to do an alt reality or like a different earth like kind of episode and what a fun way to start the season yeah it was and it's fun for like any number of reasons from how it plays really heavily with the first season in a really compressed way Mm -hmm. um which was a great deal of fun um and oliver's exasperation of no it's malcolm merlin just listen to me (laughs) It's Malcolm Merlin. And then Merlin was just such like a, like, clearly it's not Merlin. <laughs> right, no, it's the other Merlin. Merlin Bar- did just a great job with his performance. He was like, ah, yeah. I don't know how to use my body. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, is, which is, which we all know John Barrowman knows how to use his body. Um, <laughs> is Henry in the tent? What's going on? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But no, there's just a great deal of fun in it. And I think that the decision to do go to earth two and as a way to bring back earth to black canary um katie laurel, cassidy yeah. laurel um was also just really good and a way to keep her in the loop as well since she's also going to be the one of the primary stars for the forthcoming spinoff that they're doing um i think that there's just a lot of it's just really good and it really pays off like the history of the show which arrow to its credit, one of the best things it's been the most consistent about is being really good about sticking to its memory of itself, since memory is such a big part of what the show is. Um, so them doing this as like their premiere for their final season, I thought just worked really, really well without feeling 
too like saccharine or too sort of like let's look back at all the good times sort of things rather than let's explore what this is happening on this earth through our lens of Oliver's foreknowledge and Diggle's foreknowledge and how does that play and I think that's just just, it works really really well I feel sad that Earth 2 is destroyed Mm -hmm. um, but it worked pretty well otherwise yeah it was a uh, it was good balance you know, where it was nostalgic and heartwarming, mm-hmm. but not cutesy. Yes. And just being able to go over to Earth 2 lets us then bring back all the characters who are dead. <laughs> and I yes. thought you taking the, um, you know, the actress who plays Thea doesn't want to do the show as a jumping off point of why she's not there <laughs> worked really uh, great. Well, she is coming. They did confirm that she's coming back in some capacity. Yeah, for she's like just not an in this, episode. Yeah. Like, yeah. For, not for the whole, you know, so, so. Yeah, they're they're being more strategic about how they deploy her, which I think is smart. smart. And yeah, yeah. Um, so it was just super fun. Uh, I you know I was sad for for Black Canary or, or not Laurel, whatever Earth Two Laurel that they are like her entire world is just gone now. It's been antimattered. Yeah. Um, but that's a fun way to keep around. I was kind of hoping they'd have Tommy jump through. <laughs> he could stay on the season, but there'd be too many characters, so I get why they didn't. Um, yeah, it was it was a fun way to like and and like just character moments, right? Is what this was all about for me. So like Diggle just fucking with Oliver that whole time, and you know letting him think that he is alt like he's Earth Two Diggle when he knows that he's not just because he knows that Oliver is gonna try to tuck and run jump out of the car again, and this time he'll be able to get him. It was just great. I love the pettiness and like the like the the gamesmanship of that is so delightful and uh very in character just like the notion of him just having a little fun before we have the intense conversation about like changing the future and we're brothers and all of this stuff um yeah it was fun and also very much digging the short hair on laurel yeah no it looks really really good it's like the best i think that um laurel's looked in like that character's looked in a while. And such a distinct way of being like, she is in her space. She's on her earth. Yes. You know, as opposed to trying to be earth one Laurel. So yeah, that was, it was neat. It was fun. Any other thoughts on the era premiere? <laughs> Show off salmon ladder. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> no, no, it was good. And I'm, I'm really interested in seeing what they're going to do going forward since they've said that it's going to be much more sort of this kind of episodic sort of structure mm-hmm. and how they continue to build on it. I think the, like the big question I have that uh, you can answer since you've still watched the show regularly is how did the flashbacks work for you? Oh, the flash um, forwards? Flash forwards, I should say, work for you in this since that's going to be sort of, I think, the core of what our spinoff is going to become. Mm-hmm. Um, how did that play for you, um, including like the J.J. Diggle, uh, who's played by the fellow from uh, Russian Doll, who's really good on Russian Doll, and seems really primed to just chew all the scenery in this. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't care about the flash forwards even a little bit. And uh, so it's saying a lot that I actually enjoyed them in this episode. Yeah. I thought they worked a lot better. And I still don't care about them. And I don't think I'll care about the spinoff but you know who knows they have a full season here where they're going to try to sell me so you just me everybody else seems like they're very on board so <laughs> everybody else i talk to who watches arrow really likes the flash forward so mm-hmm. you know i'm i'm on my own on that one and that's okay yeah i think that's fair i think that's fair 
Yeah. Over on Charmed, we had Safe Space, which was a season two premiere. And did you know about this? No, they did a hard reboot of the show. I didn't. I had no idea because I haven't seen any promos for it at all. Yeah. Um, so, no. Tell me about this hard reboot. They. OK, so they burned up the Book of Shadows and okay. like opened up like when that when the Book of Shadows gets destroyed, which any Charmed fan will know is a very big deal um they it opens a portal and because the house gets attacked it opens up a portal uh to that the, they all have to jump into except for the white lighter henry and they end up in like this bunkery kind of place like a secret hideout layer thing I say bunker i'm thinking like the supernatural like bunker which is not actually a bunker but like a fortress sort of with all sorts of cool tech and libraries and everything um in seattle and they they have their power stripped from them so to okay. cloak their identity so they don't like show up as witches for the people the witch hunters that are you know there's a war brewing between the which and somebody some bad guys and witches who are trying to kill off all the witches and um they're like all the white lighters in the world except for Henry have been killed. He's the only one left. Uh, the elders are gone. The elders are the ones who create the white lighters, so they can't make more. And uh, then there's some like the one sister is part demon, and so she's got some demon powers. But uh, you know we don't know what the full ramifications are of that. And there's some like. The bad guy who broke into the house, you find out, is actually, like, future or possessed or evil or something um, Henry. So, like, yeah, there's a lot of it's, – it's a hard reboot. <laughs> like, so the three sisters are still sisters, but they basically don't have any powers. They're in Seattle, and not – and but the house is there, so they can use a set. But <laughs> they're not on the college anymore. There's nothing of that. Uh, all the stuff with the source, at least for now, is gone and not part of it. And they're going to be trying to save – they have, like, a map that has all the witches in the world on it. Like little lights, and when a light turns red, it means the witch is being attacked, and a portal opens, and they go. So this, they're going to jump and try to save the witch, and then come back. Situation, at least for the beginning of the season. Um, yeah, so it's that's just a completely different show. Yeah, it is a hard reboot. Um, so we'll see. Uh, I, I appreciate them acknowledging that there's a core that they like that, that works with the show, but they didn't think that just doing a charmed regular remake was working for them. They wanted to get rid of the campus. They wanted to get rid of these other elements. Um, but I think that taking away their, the witches, the main characters abilities was not the way to do that. So um, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Interesting. I had no idea. And I don't see anyone talking about this. So you're the only person I know who watches mm -hmm. it and then talks about it to me. Yeah. But that's because we have a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyways, listeners, if you're watching Charmed, let me know what you think of the premiere. So, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, Next up is The Flash, A Flash of the Lightning. What did you think? Right. So I have like two trains of thoughts about this um, episode. Uh, one is I'm sort of intrigued by how much the crossover is sort of consuming The Flash this season. Um, given his centrality to a large degree, um, and I'm 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 I I sort of like it. Like I appreciate that Supergirl is just like what crossover? There's no crossover coming, and that um, 
Black Black Lightning has like much bigger fish to fry than deal with a crossover. And so I like that they're like doing a lot of like groundwork for ramping up the crossover while still being very flash esque in what they're doing about it. So I really appreciate that sort of build that they're doing and how they're still using a lot of that sense of loss from Nora that they kind of do with the previous in the premiere kind of carries over here is in like Barry has to die and the extremes to which that has to happen. Um, I saw a publication, I think it was Mary Sue, that goes, why is it always the Flash that has to die to save everyone? And that's just kind of how it works when you're, you know, the super magic dude that's not Dr. Fate. (laughs) Um, Because, I mean, he even has to die on Justice League Unlimited for everything to go to hell. Um, So it's always the Flash that has to sacrifice himself in some way. So I really appreciate also that dedication to that, of the comics of how the Flash is the one that has to write everything or sacrifice himself in some capacity to keep things where they should be. So I'm really curious to see how all of that gets baked in um, in the events leading up to the the crossover. Um, The other thing about this episode is that I just, I love the fact that they've just decided to give up on giving Caitlin any storylines whatsoever and have just been like, what if Killer Frost wants a life? Let's do that. We want to write for Killer Frost. We don't want to write for Caitlin anymore. Um, and it's just, it's a fun choice. And I'm sure Danielle Panabaker appreciates the chance to get to do something literally anything um, so I'm I'm not as curious about that but I'm just like enjoying watching this pivot six seasons in of going yeah we don't we never really knew what to do with this character and we don't want her to fall in love with the big bad again so let's do something different <laughs> yeah um, which I feel like is what this very much is, is like, all right, we've X'd out the big bad as a romantic interest. So that means we don't have anything for Caitlyn to do this season. So Killer Frost. We have very little interest in exploring who she is outside of her romantic interests and her complicated family history. So right. yeah. 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 So let's just, let's just Killer Frost this. And so, yeah, that's kind of where I felt on this episode. And those were like the two things I wanted to mention about it, but how did like the whole, Let's go to Earth 3 and hook ourselves up to a just the most gobbly science fiction mind (laughs) matter machine I've ever heard. Um, But also, I really kind of appreciated how they like really played up the, yeah, no, this is bad even for him in sort of like the pain it causes him. Yeah, whenever they nerf their characters like this, um, it if they commit to it, it's really impactful because they yeah. normally don't have to deal with that they normally go like oh it hurts and then the next scene they're fine you know yeah. so so having barry laid out for like the whole episode like um you almost wanted joe to be like hey this is nice i will go to you and we'll yeah. actually sit and have a conversation because you can't move um it, it's interesting and it's a different way to play some of the same kind of beats and I think it's effective. I agree about the focus on the crossover and the fact that it's significantly varying from show to show, I think is interesting and smart. And um, I mean, it already feels like I can feel the flash getting weighed down by it already. And I don't know if it's for the best for the flash, but I do think that overall for all the CW shows, having the flash, Having several shows prep it is smart and I think will yes. pay off well. And having 
the flash be one of the shows to take the hit i think is important because it like you're saying it does so often come down to barry and uh obviously we're expecting you know something for oliver some big sacrifice or something um and arrow's ending so that you know is easy nothing's gonna happen to barry because the show is gonna run for another season so um you know they're they're doing a really strong setup so that they can subvert it in some way but um i think that if if they especially if they process and deal with the drama and emotions earlier in the season of the flash that will be good for both the flash and for the crossover so then again the 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 crossover doesn't feel too overwrought or too out of nowhere but um yeah it's a lot of like seeing the strings and like lining things up like i'm appreciating it more uh on that level than for the show itself yeah yeah i think that's fair and i think your point about like the flash being the one to take the hit makes the most sense because you've got a brand new show in batwoman Mm -hmm. you've got a show that's not connected in any way shape or form to any of these people in black lightning Supergirl's just like, we're on a different Earth, so not our problem. And (laughs) And they're dealing with all the Lena Kara stuff. Right, right. And then Arrow's just like, no, we're going to do the crossover setup as well. But we have the benefit of having 10 episodes, so it doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But this also, I think, probably helps Flash a little bit in that blood work can just be like building up in the background for as long as they need to. And then just like focus on him in the back half of the season, which will probably also help flash since flash just doesn't structure. It's big bad super well after season one anymore. No. So, yeah, I almost forgot what you were talking about. I was like, Oh, Oh, heroes, dude. Yeah. 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 That's, that's who he means. Yeah. I really don't care about him even a little bit. Um, Yeah. No. So yeah, more more crossover angst, please, so that we can have the same time with that character, which is not what you want. But hey, I'm still watching, so I guess they're winning. Um, yeah. Let's move on to our next episode, and that's last week tonight with John Oliver. And they did uh, their focus segment this week was on the weather and the way that the Trump administration is screwing over all of us around uh, just the the national recording of the weather. Yeah. So tell me, how familiar are you with like weather service type of forecasting and modeling? And like, this is like a weird, like slightly niche side interest of mine, which is why I got very excited when they were going to tackle this. But like, how much about like weather forecasting and the modeling of that are you familiar with in any way? Well, I couldn't have told you any of the things in this episode Mm -hmm. on my own. But when they were saying it, I was going, yeah, I think I knew that. I don't know okay. how I knew that. Sure, <laughs> but, sure, sure. Like, like, maybe I didn't, you know? I'm not sure exactly. But it felt very familiar and, like, I had, like, picked this up from somewhere. But it was still very helpful to have it all put together in such a clear way. Yeah, and I, I, I was split on this episode in a lot of ways, in part because it became a Trump corruption sort of storyline. But it's also a really important thing to point out because I've been like super aware about like uh, AccuWeather guy being put in charge of the National Weather Service. Um, And like the sheer horrible and ridiculousness of that is just bad as this episode outlines. But the other thing I the other thing I wanted them to do was just like, but but talk about the different weather modeling systems. just, (laughs) Just talk about it. I mean, I appreciate the fact that they kind of also at the same time sidestep that by going 
it's a collaborative system, which it very much is. Like the way in which the American Weather Service and then the two different sort of European models interact and inform one another is really important to how we get very accurate forecasts. And also just the sheer ridiculousness of the slow rollout of an improved National Weather Service model um, that happened last, or not like this March, I think, or last March, I can't quite remember, that was supposed to improve the American Weather Modeling Service because it's generally considered to be bad. Mm. Um, But it's actually not. And that's kind of one of the things I wanted them to like dig into a bit more was the science behind the weather weather modeling type stuff. But I was just like, that's too in the weeds for this show. Mm. And selling a story about the AccuWeather, one of the AccuWeather guys getting into the weather service or trying to and failing miserably um, for the past four years at this point um, is a much better story and does highlight like the significant amount of dangers that that poses in terms of all this information needs to be readily available because it's borderline national security issues. Um, oh, it's straight up national security yeah, issues. No, it is straight up. And I think that that is also something that the episode slightly underplays a little bit of like, this is something that is very important on like a macro level scale. Um, so that was also something I was um, hoping that they would have hit a little harder. Um, but I just wanted to highlight because I'm somewhat of like a small little bit of weather politics nerd. Mm-hmm. And so I was just thought. Like, this is very much my wheelhouse, but I also know maybe just a little too much about this topic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> Where you're very excited. It's getting covered and you're like, yeah, exactly. You're like yelling. At your I've been saying, you know, yes. and, and no, they, exactly. But now go into the, and then they don't. And then you're like, yeah. <sighs> oh, you know, you know who do weather really well? Why it's next problem areas. Yep. Let's just give me 10 episodes about the weather. Oh. And I would be like, <laughs> I would watch the crap out of that. It would be so good. Yeah, it would be very good. But alas, alas. Alas, alas. Um, so unless you've got anything, tell me about The Good Place, um, potentially zagging on us with yeah. uh, Tinker Taylor Demon Spy. Well, I, I'm very happy to say I called this at the same time Jason figured it out. Oh, nice. <laughs> oh, very nice. Yeah, uh, for the exact same reason. I just looked at my person and went, Janet didn't say not a girl. And I just went, it's Pat Janet. (laughs) Which is great. Um, Yeah, I was so excited watching this. I was like, oh, I got to talk to Noel. Oh, he hasn't seen it yet. Uh, He's probably going to watch it with this person on like a normal people time and not the screener. Uh. Um, But uh, I loved the way that they, like like you were saying, Zach, when we thought they would zig addressed the lingering michael questions including the fact that he is a ten thousand foot tall fire squid or whatever it was which is hilarious um but also they didn't actually like address the the central issue here no they did not which i thought was was funny uh because that why did he come and blow up their spot if like he came to say that there's a demon suit and it's michael and that that is not Michael. And that was the whole plan. Uh, mm-hmm. But I guess that what we're supposed to take away is that he only knew part of it. And he was wrong about the Michael part. He just assumed that was what was happening. Mostly the central discussion in this episode was good. I don't think they earned Michael's excuses for why he didn't say anything. I thought that was weak sauce. But everything else in this episode I really enjoyed. And the twist was 
just just like just chef's kiss good it was really good yeah i just i have like the janet thing i think is really great though it raises questions about wait did did derek know does derek know yeah we don't know yeah and i i just have like a number of questions about the complicitness of derek and all of this um but i think that like i really appreciate like also, like, uh, listeners, um, in case you didn't get a watch or you couldn't watch because it was, like, region locked or whatever, the um, webisodes that they did in the lead up to this season kind of play up Glenn's, um, un- like, unsureness about this whole thing that mm-hmm. they're doing. Um, so I think Glenn's on the up and up, and I don't think he's lying. Yeah. Um, but a double double switcheroo is also the best way to fake everyone out of like, mm-hmm. all right, we're gonna do bad Janet and Vicky. Yeah. And that's the best way to like cover your tracks. Um and I also like that it's potentially Vicky because it explains everything in terms mm-hmm. of w- why a switch would be able to relate to everyone so well, knows everyone really well, because Vicky was elbow deep in when they were trying to rerun the experiment again without Sean knowing. So I think that that all worked really, really well. Um, I agree with you that the reasons for Michael not saying anything about the Michael soup don't work. Um, But I'm also just kind of willing to give it to them because Ted Danson's really good in that scene where he's telling them what he actually looks like and the sheer amount of like anxiety and fear about what would happen to everyone around him, but also what it would mean for his friends to see him like that was just so good. And it's like one of the most vulnerable I've seen dance and perform aside from like a few very choice episodes of cheers. Um, And it's just really, 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 really good. And I really liked that whole sequence. Um, And I thought it worked really, really well. I particularly loved how excited Jason was to see him. No, I'm telling you, man, that would be dope. (laughs) Right. No, that's the best thing of like, Jason's just willing to accept him. Yeah. Like as this in part, because Jason just wants to see it, but then Jason would just accept it because that's who Jason is. Um, which is also just really, really lovely. And so I think that this was just a re- another really kind of good episode. And I like the sort of double dealing, double crossing, but also I now have questions about if the experiment's just about to collapse because now all the Janet babies don't work anymore. Yeah, I don't know. They, <laughs> they're going to need to address that. Yeah. But, I, but like, I would imagine Bad Place wants the experiment to keep going too. Yeah. So. But they've got. They've got bad Janet electromagnetic handcuffed. Yeah, it's so. true. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure they'll answer it next week. Yeah. But I'm also like, but uh, you, there are like narrative structure questions that now have to be answered immediately. Indeed. Um. But yeah, I'm still sort of on the fence of, are you going to pull this off with them going to the bad place to go get Janet back? Um. And just like. I'm like I'm trying to figure out what sort of like the end game is still a little bit and I'm like still in that space of this was really good but also are you going to pull this off mm-hmm. yeah so um point one I don't really care if they pull it off because we got to see manager Sinto in that suit again and damn the dude looks good in, the, in that, that kind of suit he looks so good yeah <laughs> yeah yeah also next week's episode is called employee of the bear me um and I love that. Uh, <laughs> I think I broke Noel, guys. It's so good. 
It's so good. It's a little dot, right, that breaks you. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to that one, indeed. Uh, let's go over to the unicorn. The, and this week was the unicorn and the catfish. And I very much enjoyed this week's twist on the um, secret dating profile, you know, by your friends thing. And mm-hmm. and I thought that the uh, – they did. T- I thought they took it a little too far. I, put, I thought they stretched the premise a little further than it would go. But – it, the reason it works so well is because of the performances and because Goggins and uh, Cordry are just really good. Yeah, and that's kind of what I wanted to check in with this uh, episode because I think that this is a really good episode. Um, and my big question going forward is, what is this show? Mm-hmm. Um, because we were sort of like running really quickly through a lot of the dating like relationship stuff. And I do think that a lot of the show, especially over these four episodes is really relied really heavily on the deep bench that they have and not on Goggins, which I think is interesting. Um, But I'm really curious about like what they're going to continue to do with um, this character going forward, or if they're just going to sort of have him be the passive center that allows these other couples, all the good hijinks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I really, I I love the, um, just like I mean, Michaela Watkins has been great, and oh, she's uh, so good. Like so they're good. all really, really they're good. All good. <laughs> but but I love just something of like, no, if we let him pick who he dates, he's gonna pick a loser, and then it's gonna mess up our whole friend dynamic. And uh, for anyone, I mean, I haven't had that specific you know experience, but um, I do have three siblings, and two of them are married, and they both chose, and were fortunate enough to be chosen by awesome people so i have great they chose yeah i have wisely. really great sister-in-law and brother-in-law and i'm very fortunate and there is like an underlying thread between my other brother and myself of like now you don't fuck it up for the rest of us you know like at some point when either of us are, are seriously dating someone and uh it's going to be very much like okay but are they like we got a really good average going don't fuck up the group um mm-hmm. so i was enjoying that conversation Okay, yeah, no, and I, I think that the, that's a good sort of thread to keep running through the show. I just really want, um, it's Wade, right? His mm-hmm. name's Wade. Yeah, um, to be more central sometimes in his this narrative. Um, and not just because of the Goggins of it all, but just because I feel like there's a hesitancy on the show to let Goggins be funny. Um, which isn't totally true because I do think he gets opportunities to be funny, but they really let the everyone else be funny and he's the straight man. And I'm just like, but he can be funny. I know he can be funny. I didn't like that vice principal show, but he was funny on that. Um, and he was funny on justified in that justified sort of way. Um, so I'm just like, I'm waiting to see more. And I'm also waiting for this show to kind of expand its perspective a little bit. Um, but after four episodes, I do feel really confident about the show, which is good. Yeah, no, me too. It's definitely the the winner of the new season for me, along with Evil. And that was yeah, what you were saying at gotcha. the start <laughs> of the, the season, fall season, but it's holding true four weeks in, definitely. Yeah. I mean, all the ones that we liked at the start of the season are really have been paying off so far, at least. Um, yeah, so, and then yeah. the two things that we were like, this isn't going to work. Yeah. <laughs> Some town and emergence were just like, oh. These are these are good. These are good. Well, I, I'm still on the fence on emergence, but um, yeah. Stumptown is very fun. So yeah, no, we look. It looks like we have a few keepers. I'm very excited. Yeah, I am too. 
an, another keeper, obviously, for us over here at the podcast is the Great British Bake Off. And we had Festivals Week this, and also Pastry Week. So uh, first Festivals Week. And uh, my question to you is, did you manage to tamp back down those expectations or did I oversell it for you? No, you didn't oversell it. I think that this is, I thought that Festivals Week was a generally really solid week. I was a little concerned about like your hype a little bit when Mm -hmm. we were just like, everyone's just making hot cross buns. Like literally (laughs) everyone's just making hot cross buns. Um, Not everyone, but it felt like like every people. Yeah. Yeah. Like one, two, three, like three of the six people made hot cross buns. So yes, half of the group made hot cross buns, which is not a knock because hot cross buns are delicious. They're very good. (laughs) However, spread your wings a little bit, everyone. (laughs) Also, this would have been a great time to make beignets. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, In festival week. So no, I think that the episode's, I think that the episode's really good. Um, so I thought the technical was an interesting sort of approach, but I was more keen on doing the layer kit, the grilled, the grilled air quotes. Yeah. Broiled. Yeah. Actually, um, layer cake. Cause I was just like, they're not grilling anything. They're just putting it under the broiler. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's not the same thing. It's a terminology thing. That's how they, that's, it's a UK thing. Yeah, that's that's different. Um, But we can get into that with pastries and the concept of what a pie is again, apparently. (laughs) Um, um, But no, so I really liked the that the layer cake in particular as a showstopper, finally for me in a lot of ways. And this also kind of applies and we'll talk about this a little bit more with the vertical pies encouraged a showstopper sort of approach, which I feel like has been sort of lacking this season to a certain degree. Definitely. Of, all right, well, you've just made two cakes that just looked like cakes. Mm-hmm. That's not interesting. <laughs> you did bombs, which are fun, but not also particularly interesting. Mm-hmm. The mishti were a de- an interesting concept because it forced you to like do a number of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it was like a decorative loaf display. And then... Mostly just it. a bunch of cakes. Yeah. yeah. And so I was like, this was something outside their comfort zones in terms of like what they've made in the past or what they've made in the past on the show. Mm-hmm. And so I just generally really liked the concepts of it. And Henry's present box, I thought was really, really good though. I do want to give Rosie a lot of credit for really trying to hit those triangles, which yeah. everyone was just like, we just couldn't make them work. And Rosie was just like, I kind of made them work. <laughs> I made them work in the middle much more than on the ends. <laughs> Whatever is um, like, you can't just, you just can't do triangles like, uh, Google it. Yeah, you can. You could, yeah. like, there are, like, if you, if you search up just different Sarawak cakes, there are tulips. There are yeah. flowers made of cake <laughs> in the Sarawaks out that are, like, there are insanely intricate things you can do. You just have to know what you're doing. And these bakers had a week of practice, which, like I said in my AV Club review, I think is, makes this completely legit because they did get to practice it. Um, yeah. So they don't, But they don't have a lot of experience, so that's why they kept it simple. It's not that you can't, it's just that you can't. Yeah. Other people really can, and it looks amazing. Yeah, yeah. So I think that, that just generally worked really well. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of like as a challenge for both the showstopper, but also for a, it allows for a little bit more creativity, and I really really like that because they're so bright and vibrant as cakes to look at. Yeah, and so making them do that kind of a thing, I thought just worked really well. But also, 
the other thing about it is that those cakes are also very sort of in vogue in terms of they look really good on social media, but they also kind of fit that kind of naked cake sort of approach that's becoming more popular, even though naked cake typically means just a very light layer of frosting or icing on it. But this also kind of feeds into that. So it's a little bit weird to watch uh, Bake Off just be like a little like on trend, which is not something that it's always good at and that the judges aren't always aware of. Like, again, I'm just flummoxed that Paul hasn't had any sort of floral chocolate before apparently um when he was just like what's ruby chocolate i'm just like where the fuck have you been (laughs) isn't this supposed to be your job (laughs) yeah this is your job um but we can yeah so yeah that's how i felt about festival week yeah i um i thought that the technical was excellent because it actually required them to know stuff yes and to use instincts and use experience to guide them for like that it just says make the dough pliable. What does that mean? It's like exactly that's what the technical is supposed to to yeah. actually quiz them on. It's like, do they know what pliable means? Do they know how you fry something? Do they know what temperature the oil needs to be at? Like, because that's the kind of stuff that they should just know. And that is not what the technical has been asking them to do this season, and it's which has been frustrating. Um, I I thought that the like Alice's Sarawak was just gorgeous. Yeah. It was. It was absolutely gorgeous. It was like, um, yeah, no, she saved herself with that. Yes. No, she absolutely did. Yeah. yeah. And and I liked the the uh the buns quite a bit as well. Uh was it what was the one that Henry did Cardam Mumba Cardam or something like that? Yeah, the a chocolate really one. Fun yeah. name. Um yeah, they all looked delicious. They all it looked fun, but again, it felt very much like this is what a signature should be. Yes. Like yes, decorated, but not like ornate, and mm-hmm. the less them, and also very clearly tied to a specific social interaction. Like yes. these are home bakers. If you were a home baker, this is the kind of situation when you would make a like a for a for a festival for a holiday, right? That this is when you would make this. So let's take what the kind of thing that you actually would make at home and judge it and have you present it, and that's what the signature should be and so like that's why i've said that like for, for me festivals week was very much the platonic ideal the signature challenge actually tested them on what a signature should be the technical same thing the showstopper same thing um yeah. so it was i thought while it wasn't like the great one of the great episodes of all time or anything and i still had more fun with dairy week um it was like this is what the show should be it was your template very steadying stabilizing of what yeah. has been a shaky season for yes. pastry week um yeah did you know that they have done those challenges before i knew that they had done tartatan uh tartatan uh, yeah. before i have they done the moroccan pie before no not the not the technical but the okay. they had to do in an earlier season like 5 i think they had to do a three tier pie yeah. Which is which, what this is. It's just yeah. like they, they just weren't as fancily decorated then. They just like made them look like th- just three stacked pies, not like yeah. like an right. ornate I remember display. That. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I remember so that. So I was like, wait, so they not only is the signature the exact same challenge that they've done before, only this time it has to be savory. It can't be sweet. Mm-hmm. But also the signature is very similar to a thing that they've done before. And they just aren't talking about it. And it seems very strange to me. Yeah, I mean, I knew that they had done the tart, 
before. And I was generally okay with that just because uh-huh. I, I like Tartatin mm-hmm. um, as like a concept and as like a challenge sort of thing. And I thought that everyone generally did, um, at least in terms of presentation, really well. Um, I did have like real issues with everyone just being like, what? It's burnt? No, it's a purple carrot. Why Why does no one know what a purple exactly. carrot is? Okay, Paul, <laughs> WTF mate, he, he has stepped in it several times this season. We were just talking yeah. about that with the ruby chocolate, but he doesn't know what a purple carrot... That's not an obscure thing. No, it's not. And also, matcha, not obscure. He just doesn't... like. It, it just ties into this thread of, like, he's got a wheelhouse that he likes and he values. And anyone yeah. that f- plays into that does well but i while david is one of the front runners he'll definitely be in the finale i don't think he has any shot of winning because paul doesn't like his flavors yeah and paul doesn't like he does things that paul doesn't already know about and know that he likes and i don't feel like he gives him a fair shot yeah i really hope that paul takes advantage of the off season to do things like you know find out about food trends from five to ten years ago in relation to the purple carrots and also try matcha try ruby chocolate try other things that very easily will turn up as part of his job on this season on the next coming season because like he's like it's not a good look when there are multiple things throughout the season that you just like start to criticize the bakers for but it's not that they did anything wrong it's that you don't know what a purple carrot looks like Right. And it's going to be especially important as like going back to this concept of trends that I was talking about is that as home bakers, they're looking at the internet. And so they're going to be looking at either social media posts like Pinterest, they're going to be looking at um, Instagram, and they're probably finding recipes through there, but they're also finding them through potentially through other baking websites or baking forums or what have you. And so those trends are going to continue to like pepper into the show, especially as, especially if I should say, especially if the producers and the show continued this season's trend of casting a very young, comparatively young group of bakers compared to their other seasons, which have been much more diverse in age ranges. But this season was much younger. So I think that that's something that they really need to do um, as judges is get on this sort of a bandwagon instead of relying too heavily on your past experiences because your younger bakers are going to have different perspectives and also are going to approach things in terms of what they use as ingredients and how they use those ingredients and how they style those ingredients and the final results much more differently. Yeah, and also you're going to look like an idiot when you – don't try know to what a purple tell them that is. they've burned a straight line several in several distinct spots along the, and only those spots like that's not how burning works either um so yeah yeah no that wasn't a great look what what did you think about this episode so i generally liked pastry week uh the pastries week overall um uh, i really like the moroccan pie i mean it looks delicious but it's also just a big samosa and i love samosa so much like the filling i just looked at Mm -hmm. when it went that's a samosa filling oh god now i want samosas um so they're delicious they're so good i love samosas so much and this is like a big pie of them not like a hand pie version i just went 
I want to go to there. Um, so it looked really, really <laughs> delicious. Um, and I liked that 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 was sort of like the technical because it does, like you were saying, require a fair bit of like you have to make that particular pastry in a very kind of specific way. But then transporting was also like a large challenge that everyone had. Um, so I liked that. Um, the vertical pie thing, as you referenced, was something that they already done before, and the varying degrees in which people either went big with their designs like Alice and um, Alice and Rosie or sort of like, and David to a slightly lesser extent, or who played, I think very safe, but also turned out to only have the only fully edible pie with Steph's um, carousel. I think just generally spoke to the degree to which this season hasn't asked them to do a great deal of big showstopper kind of styling stuff. And that, that really came through in the fact that Henry thought he could skate by, by stacking two pies on top of each other and going like, I'm done. And it's like, it's an inverted chandelier. No, No, it is not tiered pie. No, you just, you just did two pies on top of two pies and you're calling it a day and that's fine. I don't know why Paul doesn't like that. There are leaves on it, but this it's fine, but it's like, Steph's carousel felt very safe, but also she at least did something. <laughs> um, so mm-hmm. I think that's kind of where I fell down on it uh, with Henry, especially. I was just like, you bombed the technical and this is just nothing. Um, I don't know what this is. You just did a quick tower here and that's it. Um, I do. I did just get really frustrated with them calling David out for not having a top to that, that pie. And I just went... I'm, I'm okay with it. Like some lattice work might've done like waves on it, but it's just generally a, no, he just did a, he did a pie. He just did. He should have just said, I did an American style savory pie. And that probably would have covered him since everyone just assumes over there that American pies just are not pies. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I thought that that looked really nice and I just thought it was weird that they dinged him on that. So I was just like, meh. But everyone ended up really dry. So it was just kind of a thing um, that I was like, oh, well, okay. They just played real safe, I think, with this and wanting everything to be quite dry. Yeah. Well, like, it, you know, I put in my review that they got through it yeah. and that they powered through it. And that feels very much what this was because they just ended up with the top five where none of them like pies. And yeah. so none of them make pies regularly. And so none of them are all that experienced with it and know what the mix should be. Um, Steph's obviously had the best tasting, but I thought that proves, oh, it was perfect. There was literally nothing wrong with it. It was just, no, that's not true because it looks okay. Yeah, It doesn't look great. It doesn't even compare. Yeah. Paul rightly dinged her for like, those squares are just too thick and they look really shoddily affixed. Um, yeah, which is like, that's not finished. Yes. Those horses look very nice, but at the same time, they're cute, but they're painted, right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. So it's just like, this is nice, but it's not enough. No, it shouldn't be. But I do appreciate that she got the win because I will always take them prioritizing substance over yes, style. Absolutely. Yeah. Always. So I think that it was good that she won, but, um, yeah, it just was. I think that there was not a problem with the challenge yeah. so much as they just ended up with a group of bakers, none of whom this is their thing. Yeah. So 
Yeah. I also am a little puzzled by, aren't the challenges supposed to get harder as you go along? And Tartatin is great and all, but it's not a quarterfinal challenge. No, it's not. It's a very straightforward thing for them to put together. Yeah, it was a week three challenge the first time they did it. So this is week eight. Yeah. Dot, dot, dot. I just, yeah. yeah, I think like the larger systemic issues with this season are still here, even as they're kind of like setting themselves at the very end of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that the um, the right person gets sent home. And yes. I thought that they handled that well. I, there was a lot of really fun camaraderie. I enjoyed the limes and like when they're playing catch. Yes. And, and Sophie's just like, or sorry, Steph's just like, you guys know that we have to take them out of the oven, right? Like, why is I'm surrounded by crazy people? Why, why is no one stressed out <laughs> right now? Which was just really fun. Um, and I will definitely miss having Henry in the tent. Uh, when, when he was like, when he just threw to Paul with the, do you like meaty pies? And Paul is trying to be like intimidating, dude, I'm like, this doesn't work. You have been all your papacy has been punctured by him by Henry asking you if you enjoy meaty pies. I mean, come on. <laughs> and they still tried to play like it was scary. And I was just like, no, no, you just look like an idiot, yeah. Paul. Yeah, he does. He does. Oh, it was funny. Um, OK, so how are you feeling about the quarterfinals? Um, or the, the sorry, the semifinals next week. Yeah, I'm feeling like um, I'm feeling generally okay about like the crop. I do feel like this is basically Steph's to lose at this point, um, mm-hmm. given how the judges respond to her. Um, I do agree with you that um, David will probably like get eliminated because they're doing uh, patisserie next week. All right, um, I do feel like David's sort of probably on the outs for next season, based on like I'm agreeing with you and like his just Paul just doesn't seem to respond to his flavors at all um so yeah I do think it's Steph's to lose but um patisserie week is always a little tricky so hopefully it's going to be tricky again this uh next week I think David's gonna make the final but I think he's not gonna win and that's my theory and I think it'll be Alice as well okay in the final and i mean unless she has like a you know like a big mistake and i think that it sh- will probably be Steph, but it might be alice yeah. who wins depending on on how it goes because alice does tend to do more visually striking bakes so if she has the flavors then they'll give it to her but if not they've already been building a step doesn't realize how good she is narrative yes. um so they'll just play into that yeah, that's their end game. You could you could tell they're already like figuring out what their storylines are going to be. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just like they've just been more brazen about it this season than normal. So that's true. Um, I just I also just want to know when Steph has time to practice all these bakes, considering she has three part time jobs. I don't think I've forgotten Bake Off. <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, indeed. Um, what wins your week in TV? Um, I think I'm going. Well, I do want to mention Mom also had a really good episode this week in which um, Chef Rudy uh, had to go to court-mandated um, AA meetings. And the again, when this show focuses on addiction, I talked about this with the premiere, and the having to navigate that. I thought this episode was really good in terms of exploring a kind of more comedic approach of someone who just refuses to acknowledge that he has a problem. And then by the end, 
seems to sort of acknowledge that he has a problem, but not like outright. Um, but it's also just a really good deployment of French Stewart um, in this particular episode. So I really, really like Mom this week, but I think I'm going to give it to Good Place. Uh, yeah, I'll give it to Good Place this week. What about you? Um, yeah, it's definitely Good Place, but shout out to Arrow because I also like that way more than I expected to. So yeah, I had a lot of fun with that Arrow premiere too. Now we'll take a break and we will come back to talk season five of Shit's Creek. Knock, knock. Everybody decent? Oh my God. Hi, my name is Alexis Rose, represented by Alexis Rose Talent. Welcome, you! Whoa, what are you doing? Well, what are you doing? I'd like you open your cash register and give me your money. Small problem. Um, our money isn't for sale. Mr. Rose, I'm topless. Oh, Roland and Jocelyn don't think we can take care of a kid. That's an argument I'm willing to lose. David, you're basically 40 years old. I shouldn't be able to make you feel bad about anything. Mmm, eat glass. I would like to dedicate this one to the lovers right over there. La, 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 lovers. Come here, big guy. Woo! It's like 50 shades of Johnny Rose. I think I might have gotten a whisper of desire. Of dis- oh my god, please never use that phrase like ever again. <laughs> I don't laugh a lot, but that was good. Charlie, I must sign off. Well, spoken, John. That's goodbye in the mother tongue. Okay, well, I'll sign off too, sweetheart. Lots to do, but uh, wishing you an exciting. Okay, yep. Miss you too. She already hung up. Dad. Oh my god, that's so embarrassing. You must feel ridiculous. That was the trailer for season five of Shit's Creek, which is now available to stream on Netflix. Season six will be the final season of the show and is debuting on Pop in the, the United States in like January, I think, or maybe February of next year. So when we last talked about Shit's Creek, Noel, uh, you were you enjoyed it, but you know thought everybody should slow slow their roll a little bit. Like it's not the best thing since sliced bread. It's very good. Yes, we appreciate you know the characterizations and all. Um, so now have you have you did you just jump to season five or have you seen all the, all the way through season five? No, I'm completely and fully caught up. Okay, so uh, I'm curious if where you're at with the show and if you're at a similar place with it or if like you know you are fully on board. I'm in a similar place with it. Um, in terms of, I think that this is a really, really very good show. Um, I think it's really well written. I think it's really well acted. Um, and I think that there are episodes, particularly in season five, I think is potentially maybe their strongest season overall. Um, that provides a lot of really good things, particularly like episode 13, I think is just really, really good. Um, uh, that that's the hike, the hike, um, yeah no it's so good no it's really really good that's the thing is like it's really good and then um whatchamacallit um what then the other episode that uh episode 11 meet the parents um which is when uh, patrick's parents um come to visit i think is also really good for what it inverts about the coming out um type of storyline um but i do i don't totally grasped why this is suddenly the best show on television um yet 
Um, and I do think it's very good. I do think it's one of the best shows on television, but I also feel like a lot of like that discourse basically stems from the fact that we kind of all just discovered it and then just immediately went in terms of like a little bit of an overdrive of wanting people to watch it and like being like, we slept on this for too long because it was on pop, but it's on Netflix now. So it makes sense. And that kind of a thing of like the, the accessibility of it, I think really pushes it, but I don't necessarily agree that like, this is currently the best show that's on television, um, which is something that like a publication that I freelance for declared it as like the best show that's currently on um, television right now. And I'm just like, it's very good, but I'm not really willing to push it that far. Um, and I don't know that it's final season can like put it there, but it is very, very good and it is very enjoyable. And I don't begrudge anything against the show because I do think it's a lot of fun and I do really legitimately enjoy it. I just, for whatever reason, like something just doesn't totally click in that sort of hype machine or if I'm just pushing against it in a way of like, I just let's all just calm down just a little bit. Um, but I think that's just generally where I am with it. And listeners, I can't see the face Kate's making right now, but I'm assuming it's just like, what is wrong with you? Who hurt you? Show us on the doll where they <laughs> hurt you. Um, no, I was just gauging what my response would be and how serious I would be and how much I would just be like, well, that's just because you don't like nice things. And I don't understand why you hate love. Um, but cause but your I person is wonderful. Like, the, hike is, and, the hike is very good. I don't yeah, hate but, love, obviously. But clearly <laughs> you do because you slightly appreciate a show that I love. You, you appreciate it slightly less than I do. And so that means yeah. that you hate all things, clearly. Uh, yeah. So here's the thing. I don't think Shit's Creek is the best show on television, but I do think it is one of the best shows on television. And I love it very, very, very much. And I think it is more rewarding and satisfying to watch than a lot of other shows that maybe reach higher heights and aspire for more. But I don't really care. <laughs> you know so so that's where i'm at with it right and I, I think that's a perfectly fair thing to do is like i don't think that this show takes like big swings i think it takes it it takes really well modulated swings because it knows its cast really really well and it writes for its cast super duper well um and i think daniel level daniel Levy in particular has just a really good bead on exactly how his cast can push these characters and that makes just such a big difference in what they're able to do and how they're able to do it. Um, down to like having Mortar's whole arc in season five, I think is really, really good. Um, and I think that that way of kind of exploring it and then doubling it with Stevie at the end, again, speaks to the way in which I think season five is just a really well-constructed season. Um, pro again, probably it's, best constructed season even if my biggest knock against it is that there's just not nearly enough jocelyn after mm -hmm. like a certain point even though all the jocelyn stuff at the beginning with her dealing with the baby i think is actually really really good and i just wanted more of it and then it just kind of faded away after they went to um after they went gambling and she got that really terrible haircut but the show's dedication to keeping that actress in that really terrible wig is just is is deeply admirable <laughs> mm -hmm. 
for me, season five specifically does some things that I really appreciate. And obviously you've talked about the big episodes, um, yeah. which is, you know, Patrick's coming in episode and, and the hike, um, and I, mean, I don't know where you're at with, with them, but, you know, I imagine you can now see why I was like, you know what? They're vying Hollywood level for me. Like yeah, Patrick and, and David must be protected at all costs from all potential bad things. And I'm very excited to – I'm guessing that the next season will like build towards their wedding and I can't wait to see what they do. Um, so so I think that stuff is great. But for me where – what Shit's Creek does and does better than most shows I can think of – is the small moments. That's where it shines. That's where it like the humanity and like the gut punch of of the small dramatic moments and emotional moments because it does the broad slapstick thing really really well. And Catherine O'Hare just like she's pronouncing words and you're just like I don't even like this is amazing. I don't even know what's happening. How would you say that word in that way, Catherine O'Hare? You're a genius. Um, but then you get just very small moments like Moira's conversation with Stevie in the finale. And it just, just like, I'm a wall of tears. Not, not like a slow, steady stream, just a wall of tears, just absolutely destroyed. Or in season, I want to say it's three, but it might be four where we get that Alexis uh, Valentine's day, like mixer thing where she's talking about Ted. Yeah, no, that's uh season four with singles week. Singles right. week, yeah. Yeah, which yeah. is just like just a beautiful moment and so real and so honest and like just makes the whole character go like, oh, that makes sense. All of a sudden everything clicks into place and it doesn't feel like a retcon for me, even though it probably is. And and you just connect so – at least for me, I connect so completely with these characters and what they're experiencing and what they're – the vulnerability that they're putting out there. Um, so, so while it's very funny and really um, interesting and quirky in, in a lot of the comedy and a lot of what it's doing for me, it's those, it's like Patrick, like all, almost starting to shake as he talks to, to David um, and about his fear of coming out to his parents. And it's, it's like Stevie doesn't need any, any help. It's Sally who does uh, with Moira. And it's it's those – it's the fact that Patrick got five gold rings. You know, it's those little things. That's what for me elevates this show beyond just a funny show, just a good show, just an interesting show to something truly special. Yeah, I think like – again, that goes to what I was talking about with the fact that I think it's a really well calibrated show and it knows exactly what it needs to do. And I think that that those examples that you're talking about, like the rings or uh, Moyer's conversation in life is cabaret um, or, or the dress. Oh, yes. just the dress. Yeah. I think all of that just really speaks to, they know exactly what to do and how to push things. And I think that that's, Again, that's a sign that you've got a really well-oiled machine here. Um, but I also think like it also almost prevents them from doing anything bigger. But I also think that anything bigger isn't like baked into the show because of what they want to focus on. And I'm sort of begrudging the show for being exactly what it is and being a, the best version of what it wants to be. But I'm also just like, but you could just 
maybe push in like some other way or like do something a little more experimental or, uh, but that's not what the show is. And I just kind of need to get over that hurdle. And I don't know that I will, but again, I think it just boils down to like shades and gradients of enjoyability with it um, to the point where I think that your description of I like this slightly less than you do is about accurate. And like, I think that this is a very, very good show and I really enjoy watching it. Um, I just, the discourse around it just makes me slightly antsy for whatever reason in terms of like calling it like the best show, because there's just plenty of other things about it where I just go, this is just such a white show um type of thing of that i don't know even though- i don't think it's light though for me it's not light no no not light white oh white <laughs> oh yeah no it's a very white show and even the degrees to which while they don't have massive amounts of money anymore there's still like heavy degrees of privilege built into this show that just operate invisibly to allow everything else to function um because it's like yeah but they're just constantly eating out. And I guess the cafe is just super duper cheap, but then how is she staying open? I know it's the only place to eat in town, but (laughs) so those kinds of things just like are no longer like an issue, even though they were sort of like apparently like in the first season, like a larger issue of like, we need money. And now that is not a thing anymore um, in terms of like what they're doing because they've established enough that they can get by in terms of economically, which frees them up narratively to do other things. Um, but I just like, they they initially started with a interesting sort of idea and then just quickly kind of went, all right, well, we can't keep doing this. So let's just solidify everyone to a certain degree that they can get by enough that we can do other things. Well, yeah, I mean, David has a successful business and Moira just filmed a movie and Dan and um, Johnny, like they, basically Johnny runs the motel. Yeah. Is yeah. a co-owner of the motel. So yeah, they're, yeah. they're and, and I'm assuming <laughs> that Ted is paying for pretty much everything for Alexis. So yeah, no, they're all very stable yeah. financially, which I think was essential because I don't think they could have sustained what they were doing before. No, but and it I does change that. the it changes the energy of the show. But I think for me, that was a real like thing that really helped the show went because they it, it felt very organic. But then when they got they got more and more invested in the town and set up roots there, um, you were I was much more invested in what was happening. And uh, I think when it when it like the biggest change that they had that for me really helped was when they moved Roland from mayor to handyman. Yes. <laughs> I was like, Oh, this is a much better. And, and he also still is the mayor and it comes up every now and again, but this is a much better use for this character. Yeah. And it also shifts away from the fact of how's this town managed when this is the mayor. We have a council that just doesn't seem to do a whole lot. Um, type of thing so it's it's a it's a good again it speaks to the fact that when the show recognizes that there are like potential issues that they respond to them really really quickly in a way that makes sense even if one of those issues is mutt and they just don't do just a horrible job of getting him off the show for three seasons um yeah mutt really did he mutt really bothered you a lot more than he bothered me yeah that's interesting yeah he just he just has no business in like the weird separation between him and then Jocelyn and Roland just 
never feels organic in any way, shape, or form. And him as their child just also just never feels lived in to me. So it's just really frustrating. Like it took them three seasons to figure out, oh, we don't need this character, even if he does provide a decent foil to Ted, but Ted just provides a foil to Alexis. That's all you need him for. So we don't, we don't need him. We don't need much. (laughs) Even if he does have a great barn and it's a very good set. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's interesting though. The things that are really sticking out for you that are really like, you know, like bothering, like, like that little bit of grit, you know, that really just, it's a small thing, but it just bugs you, you know? Cause like, for me, that would be like, for like younger, right? Just, yeah, you have to, you just have to buy into the fact that she does not look, you know, Sutton Foster looks like she's in her thirties. She does not look like she's 26, uh, which is, you know, and they, they keep her at 28, 29, way too long um, for how long the show was running. And if that is the kind of thing that's going to bug you, you shouldn't watch the show. And so it's, it, yeah. you know, so so for me, the, some of these things that you're pointing to are more, I just, I'm just, more, I guess I'm much, much more comfortable just being like, yep, it's fine. Just buy into it. Yeah. He doesn't look like their kid. It doesn't make any sense, but just go with it. And I'm very willing to do that. So maybe that's, that's the difference in how we're experiencing it as well. Yeah. And I think that's a, I think that's a fair like categorization of it. And yeah. Yeah. Um, Let's like I I don't want to like this became like an entire conversation about the show as a whole so I don't uh-huh. want to ignore like the the general real goodness of plenty of the stuff that's in season five because there's a lot of good stuff in season five. I'm going to interrupt you really- though because yeah. first before we do that we cannot have a second conversation about Shit's Creek where you're caught up with it where you don't tell me about Tina Turner and like the all time great shipping moments that we got for that in season three and season four. No, no, no. The Tina Turner stuff is v- the, the, the um, karaoke thing is just really, really good. And I really deeply enjoyed that. Um, like I, I very much agree with you that um, David and Patrick are buying Hollywood levels of like, please don't hurt them. Don't hurt them <laughs> type of thing because they're just yeah. really, really good. And I also just also really appreciate the degrees to which like David, Sorry, not David. Pet Patrick just continues to mess with David really consistently. Um, uh-huh. And I'm just like, good, because we need to. Because his family's too afraid to do it anymore. Or it's built into like their dynamics so much. But having Patrick just mess with him um, when he does is also just really, really good. I really appreciate it. Now, do you have a preferred... Simply the best is do you, is your go to the karaoke or the lip sync? Um, I think I prefer the lip sync. Okay. Um, but the karaoke is very good too. Yes. Um, and the, when we last talked, you were uh, on the fence about Alexis, um, and or Ted. I don't remember which one or both of them. Did you, you know how how did you feel like they handled that character progression through season four and into five? I think it generally works pretty well. Um, I think taking Alexis out of the the clinic makes a big difference in terms of how like I kind of respond to their whole dynamic. Um, I do think it's a little retconned a little bit, like you were saying, um, through Singles Week, but it generally works. Um, I think my response to their dynamic stems more from wanting to see a healthy dynamic as opposed to a dyna- dynamic that 
works for the two of them, like which gets explored again at the end of season five with the uh, trip to the Galapagos and the ways in which Alexis is just like doesn't want to go. But at the same time, Alexis, you've literally given up nothing for this man who's given up a great deal and also has given you like five different chances. And those are four more than you maybe deserved um type of thing so i think that the way in which they're kind of approaching that is really good but also the fact that i struggle with the degree to which that they've demonstrated that alexis has grown especially by the end of which she's like actively frustrated by the fact that she won't be there to do the publicity for moira even though that gets taken off the table by the end of season five um but the rest of it is just like no you need to put time into this relationship alexis because you you should because he's very good and i really appreciate that twyla is the one that is just like yeah no you should count yourself really lucky because i'm alone and also he's good to you type of thing of like pay attention and get out get out of your own get out of your own perspective to a certain degree so i think that they keep pushing that but the degree to which alexis that they can allow Alexis to commit to that because it's just such good comedy that she doesn't commit to it is one of those things. Um, of like, there's so much good material there from her asking she, her after their fight about going to the Galapagos, she's just like, I'm just going to go do the dishes. And then she comes back to ask if there's a dishwasher. And it's like those kinds of things where it's perfect, but also at the same time demonstrates that she just, can't quite grow enough um and that is one of those things and then you hear the dish drop um on the floor when she goes back into the kitchen again those little things that you're talking about that the show just does perfectly yeah okay so for this season um just quickly uh how what was working for you what stands out what are you remembering at the end of the season aside from you know the things we've already touched on Right. So one of the things that is just going to be kind of come of a um, running runner in our household is going to be um, my partner and I just whispering to one another, a whisper of desire. Um, <laughs> whisper. <laughs> <laughs> because it's just a, a very good phrase, but also like the way in which that plays out is really, really good. Um, yeah. Um, I think that like the other thing that I just do want to quickly mention, because I felt like it was something that, I'm hoping is set up for like season six is I just want more of Moira at soap opera fan conventions because yes, please, please. <laughs> There's not enough space for that. And I really appreciated that other grand dam, um, grand dom of mm-hmm. um, soap operas being there to be like, no, doing these conventions allowed me to pay for the vineyard I have. And it's like, yes, absolutely. Because you go back, you leave these conventions with garbage bags full of fives and twenties, Moira. (laughs) If you want to continue making a living, this is how you're going to do it. Jared and Jensen figured that out like in season three. (laughs) Um, So I really, really enjoyed that. But I think like the big thing that I really liked about season five, and it kind of comes through in season four to a certain degree, but the large way in which they pivot um, David and um, Stevie away from one another so that they can do David and Patrick stuff and then just slot Johnny in and the seamlessness of that in the dynamics and then having that health scare 
um, with, um, <clears throat> with, um, sorry, with Johnny. With, um, Johnny. And then Steve's reaction to it is just so good. And the way in which that they just navigate that, and then plus the HR video, um, and then just everything with um, what's his name, um, the traveling hotel motel mm-hmm. blogger. Um, oh, what a jerk. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, just all of that, and the way Johnny is present for that whole like storyline for there, I think is really, really good. Um, it's just. Like, if there's one thing I can hit it against is the fact that he's not there to reassure her in the finale, but you need Moira there to do it to get the really good doubling that happens there to then follow through with the actual climax of it with her, whatchamacallit, crawling into the closet and closing it on herself after the um, Crows movie is shelved. Um, That you don't want to lose that that is a really good moment. But I think the Johnny and Stevie stuff that just kind of becomes sort of like a really good spine for the show in this season in particular is just something I just really, really love. And I really like it a lot. And having her response to his health scare, I think is just the best part of it. I think just really drives it home. Yeah, no, that, that bond developing over the seasons has been another really important part of what has helped the cast gel and helped the premise just work for me. Yeah. Um, the, I mean, shout out to Catherine O'Hara's performance in the, the nest and in that, those prostheses, you're like, how are you making this work? But you are, uh, congratulations. That's insane. Um, and the, uh, yeah, the, for the actual performance, uh, the cabaret performance I thought in the finale and may- maybe this time was beautiful mm-hmm. and very it well is. done. Uh, it was in just like when I was like, oh, they're doing cabaret. I don't. OK, why? Interesting. And then when you see where they take take it by the end of the season, yes. I thought that worked very, very well. And I was so glad that that Stevie got her moment, you know, mm-hmm. the way that the other characters have that they're like. This finale is going to be all Stevie, and then we'll pivot back to Moira and lead into the next season with that. Um, so that was really nice. Yeah. See, I, 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 the entirety of doing cabaret is sold to me by the joke of them doing cabaret. Of yes, people thought Cats was too political, so we decided to do cabaret, and it's like, wait, <laughs> hang on, <laughs> whoa, three <hold> things here. <laughs> yeah type of thing um so that's that's kind of what sells me on it is just the idea that Shit's creek thinks cats is too political but that cabaret is fine um yeah. i'm just like oh okay just, yeah i'm willing to go with this that's perfect yeah that is um, the kind of thing yeah i do say that the last thing um is like with cabaret i just went and my person and i were both just like wait where's bob in any yeah. of this and also <laughs> where is ray and i just went no, Ray's off doing American pilot season, but he should also be here. <laughs> and he is not. <laughs> yeah, the 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 decision to do the cabaret, like the number of times we're like, oh, we can't do Guys and Dolls. There's gambling and drinking. So instead, let's do Grease with its song about abortion. <laughs> you know, like, oh, that happens so frequently in community theater and in school, public school theater. Um 
yeah the uh the last thing i'll mention though is uh aside from how beautiful and wonderful the hill like like the 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 hike was and all which i feel like mm-hmm. we've already touched on um yeah. is i thought that the, they did such a great job I, I need to shout out also you know the actor who plays patrick um when they were doing that choreography for the money makes the world run like those different dance scenes and everything that they actually ended up putting together they look damn good for people who are not like heavily musical theater trained in that same way um, I think some of the cast is, but not all of them. I thought they did yeah. a damn good job. And it felt like it was, the tone was just perfect for community theater. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Um, I think generally everything looked like a generally sort of well-funded um, community theater production of Cabaret, which I really appreciated because Elmdale's, Elmdale's got that money. <laughs> Indeed. Well, any final thoughts on Schitt's Creek Season 5? Are you looking forward to Season 6? No, I am looking forward to season six, and I am looking forward to seeing how they're going to wrap up the show. Um, and it does make me very excited about Daniel Levy's overall deal with um, ABC and see what he's going to develop over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to it, and and like knowing that they want to end it, like they have they have a plan, they know what you know, some ideas of some stories they know they want to tell. Like you could stay in Schitt's Creek for forever if you wanted to, just like you know have them adopt a kid or 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 or, uh, have a surrogate and and have have some kids and then like watch david parent (laughs) would just be like you could keep doing that for 10 years and find things that that would be funny um but it would just become a very different thing a very different show and it's not i don't think what these creators want to do so i think ending at six is you know a good idea and and Sounds like they, you know, what they're doing. So I'm certainly looking forward to, uh, to 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 the show going out on its own terms, and also actually getting wide acclaim and and attention before it does so, which so often doesn't happen with these smaller shows. So yeah, that's kind of it's very exciting. Yeah, it is. It is. A few show notes here at the end of the episode. You can find a post for this episode over at theteleverse.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can like our page on Facebook and start up a conversation there. You can email us, theteleverse at gmail.com. You can find us in Apple Podcasts with an M4A chaptered feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed. And we're also in Stitcher Podcasts. We'd appreciate ratings and reviews either place. And, of course, we're both on Twitter. I am at the Televerse And, Noel, you are? At Noel RK. Uh, thank you so much for a great week, Kate. Thank you, Noel. Thank you for going back to Schitt's Creek, even though, like, you clearly hate it entirely because you like it slightly less than me. Yeah, no, it's a terrible show, and I hate all things good and lovely in the world. I'm just going (laughs) to go back and watch. I didn't have a follow-up for that bit. I I'm going to go back and never listen to Tina Turner ever again. Yes. No, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, good times. Uh, Thank you, Noel, again. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Televerse. 